The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Sports Baseball Show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Madorsky and Alex Spector. Welcome to episode 31 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. It is officially the MLB postseason. We are well underway. In fact, the Braves-Cardinals game four is in extra innings as we speak. Oh, Good for the Cardinals Whoa. for setting that game in the extras with Sam Beck and Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Midorski. Great show planned for you. A lot of great playoff series. Um, but as always, we're going to start off with number 31 on the Yankees. This week's show is the Who Show. Aaron Hicks. I'm going to go with Aaron Hicks. So here's a question for you guys. What do you think, and I would love to get the Bovada Sportsbook odds on this somewhere. It's very unlikely that we would ever be able to get this, but Hicks is going to be a Yankee for another six years after signing that seven-year extension. Over under on an average of 125 games a year over the length of that contract. Under. 125 over the next six? Correct. So that's. I'll give you the push. Give me he's playing 750 games over the next six seasons. It is a nice round number. Under between between getting games given off and injuries throughout the, he'll have a couple more years where he'll miss a whole bunch of time like this and he won't stand a chance. I don't. Why do you believe that? Because unless we fire the whole training staff, unless we fire the whole training staff, like I've been saying all season, but he's getting up there in years. He's been injury prone so far. I think he might play 125 consistently the next two to three, barring injury. But yeah, but over the course of the there's whole, there's a lot of outfield. Yanks have a lot of outfielders. Yeah. All right. So number 31 on the Yankees. Quick history lesson. Uh, the big one. Dave Winfield made two, four, seven All Star teams for the Yankees in his Hall of Fame career as 31. Uh, he's the only super relevant player, at least in a Yankee uniform. Other fun names to wear 31. Piazza. Correct. Not for the Yankees, but I like where your head's at. We got Greg Bird. You know how I feel about Greg Bird. You guys are my friends. Thank you. Each year I wore 31 for three years with the Yankees. Yeah! Yeah! Which I think my big takeaway from that is each year I made it three years with the Yankees. Who I kind of just forgot about that because he kind of played in the 85 win years. Yeah. You, he almost exclusively played in the 85 win years. That's why they very forgettable. Um, Javi Vasquez. Don't like him. Both times or just the once? Just a second time. Good observation. Uh, Ian Kennedy. I like him. And the last one we'll go with is uh, Aaron Small. Do you remember him? Biggie yes. Small. Aaron Small. He went 10-0 and 0 in one season. He was like the big success story. And then I don't know if he ever pitched again. Didn't have to. Didn't have to. Legacy is secure on this podcast and in baseball history. Uh, interesting move by the Cardinals real quick. I just I got the game on my computer. Going with the potential Game 5 starter, Miles Mikalas, out of the bullpen. 
So they are really going all in, but it is winner takes all. So that yeah. makes a lot well, of sense. Yeah, well, going all in makes well, it's not winner take all. For them, it is. It's loser they, go home. If they lose, yeah, that's if they lose their. Ass. That's the correct way of saying what I was thinking. If they, yeah. the Cardinals need to win this game, so throwing their best arm out makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. And they got Flaherty for Game Five. Who's your boy? <laughs> we'll talk about him later. All right. With that said, though, we'll do two quick Bovada Sportsbook picks of the week. First one we got tonight, the Yankees and the Twins. Game three, Yanks are up 2-0. Severino on the bump for the Yankees. Jake Odorizzi trying to make sure the Twins play one more game tomorrow. Pavada has Yanks minus 1.5, even minus 153. Twins plus 1.5, minus 120, plus 133. And given the amount of runs that are scored in this inning, we will talk about the over, or excuse me, in this series, we will do over under. Pavada has this at 9. What are your guys' picks? Yanks minus 1.5, over. I like both yeah. those picks as well. I mean, it's, yeah. The Yanks it, are, this is going to be a beatdown. Sometimes you get a little afraid when everyone is riding the same wave. But I think this one's just too obvious. The Yanks do not lose to the Twins in the playoffs. Right, and the Twins know that, and the Yankees know that, and it'll be over in the fifth inning. That's my prediction. In fact, I'm going to, uh, can you guys make sure I throw some actual money on that after yeah. this podcast, please? Seve's bitching. Yeah. Fourth inning. And then a game we're going to pick for tomorrow, Rays force game four for tomorrow in Tampa. Uh, they won 10-3 today. Justin Verlander starting on three days rest for the second time in his entire career against Diego Castillo. Pavada has this at minus one and a half, minus 155, minus 240. Houston, plus one and a half, plus 135, plus 205 for the Rays. Who do you guys like? Who's Houston. pitching for it's, it, Does it matter? Yes. Diego Castillo, going to be a bullpen game. Then Houston. Why do they not throw Snell in this game? I think he'll be available out of the bullpen. But why don't you go with your best arm at the gate? Because he, he pitched two days ago. The extra hour of rest is really going to help him. He needs an extra hour? All right, well, when the Rays lose this game... I think Castillo... Honestly, I think what they'll do is Castillo maybe pitches the first inning, and then I can see Snell going bulk. And then you still have glass now for game five if you get Which, there. The problem is that doesn't help you going against the Astros. Even if what's his name, if Castillo gets one, two, three out, you're gonna put Snell in against four, five, six. It's not like you're going against. So here's the thing: I'm gonna might pick, as well be the top of the line. I'm picking against you guys. I'm gonna go Rays plus two hundred five. I think as great as Verlander's been, and I still think he's gonna deliver a great start tomorrow. Going on three days rest, and Verlander is a beast. Don't get me wrong, but it's the second time he's done it ever. I think it's gonna be a very close game, but I think this is the game that the Rays keep close and sneak a run in the eighth and the ninth. Force five, and then Garrett Cole strikes out 25 hitters. How's that for a hot take? It's not too it's hot, not but, but Verlander's a gamer. I think he's going to have, have pretty good stuff. Too. Oh, I think he's going to be great. I don't think they lose because of Verlander. No. I just think the Rays are going to win the game. I mean, okay. when Verlander gives up runs off homers, so like what always happens. And they hit four homers today in the trap. This is like what happens with Scherzer seemingly every time he goes out there, he gives up the early homer. Uh, if that happens to Verlander, I think the Rays are more equipped to hold that lead. But I don't think he's going to do it. I think he's at a point in his career now where he's back to being the best pitcher in baseball. And he's just going to win the game. Easy as that. I'm with you there. I, one thing I will say, and I want to give a shout-out to Rays fans, is they are so routinely criticized for not showing up to the park, all of this. It was a 105 start today on a Monday work day, and the trout was so packed and so loud today. I know they're never going to do that in the regular season, but Rays fans, thank you for showing up today when it counted. I don't know if we have any listeners in Tampa, but I feel like it, 
Monday work day in Tampa. Is Didi listens to the podcast every now and then. He lives in Tampa. Does he? Sup, Elijah? <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. So we do have a Tampa audience. We, we A small one, but we have one. Right. We have one. <laughs> it's like when, it's like when we would shit talk the Rockies, and my one friend from Colorado would listen and complain to me every week about how much we would talk crap about the Rockies. Yeah, same type of thing. Good well, for them getting people in the stadium. That's all I say. And let's keep shit talking the Rockies. I don't know why we stopped. I mean, do you want to? I actually have a discussion point for that. Let's bring it up. The Rockies right now are kind of getting not just the Rockies, but this falls into the Rockies, the Red Sox, the Pirates. And it's going to be a big, another big point of contention uh, for the next, uh, oh my God, uh, collective bargaining agreement, the next CBA, is it's a really bad look for the sport when attendance is already dead. It was down 1.6% this year. Um, and part of that is 81 home games is a ton in baseball. The games are still long despite all these different rule changes. Um, and the Rockies owner is one of the owners that have openly said we're not going to spend this offseason. We're trying to cut costs. And if you're trying to get fans engaged and trying to bring fans back to the ballpark, you openly saying, especially coming off of a 70-something win year, which was wildly disappointing, hey, we're not going to spend this offseason, is a terrible look for your team. You don't have to spend in the offseason. That's fine. But don't outwardly say, yes, we're not going to do anything in free agency. Well, the Red Sox, I mean, I'm sorry, Rockies fans, I'm not talking to you, but the Red Sox are absurd with this. Not for, I don't know who the, the Rockies spent. The Rockies have no, nothing to apologize for. They gave Arenado $260 million. If the Red Sox trade bets, what the fuck are they doing? He's the best player. He's one of the top two or three players in the game. I said this last week. They're not going to, and he's going to be Red Sox for a long time. You both disagreed with me, but I'm... There's, like, that's embarrassing for that team to have that guy on the market. At the, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, he'll stay there. I firmly believe that. You know what's um, really cool, though? That in fantasy next year, there's a very decent chance he can get Mookie Betts fifth overall. All right. Big fantasy baseball guy. We know you're good at it. What, Except who, for my team. Who goes one, two, three, four? Trout. I would I would take Mookie higher, but I could see in leagues one, two, three, four being in some order Trout, Acuna, Yelich, Ballinger. That's not even a hot take. All right, Chase, I'll, I take your point. So it's a very reasonable take. I think after Trout, you could take Mookie before any of those guys, but Acuna is, is going to be a 40 I would take Acuna second. He's going to be a four. I would even take Acuna first because he's a 40-40 guy. And he's the only... And he's got um, so much protection in that lineup, even if Donaldson's gone. I think Donaldson may be up there, but uh, beside the point. All right, before we get into playoffs, two things I want to just touch upon because one of them we didn't get to last week. So we'll start with our award predictions for the season. Uh, So let's just get right into it. AL MVP. um, My top three is Trout, Bregman, Marcus Simeon, DJ LeMay, you are very close fourth because he's our boy and he crushed for the Yankees this year. Um, I think as great as Bregman's been, he caught Trout in a lot of counting stats and actually ended up leading the American League in war. Uh, in my mind, Trout was just so, so dominant throughout the year. And as great as Bregman was, he filled in for Correa, this and that. If you take Bregman off the Astros, I still think they're a 95-win team with the rest of that talent. My pick, Trout becomes part of the three-time MVP club what are your guys' thoughts in AL? I don't get your point on that, the Astros still being a 95-win team without Bregman. Does that mean uh, the Angels are, could still 
be a 65-win team without Trout. They could suck without him. It's true. <laughs> I think this feels like the year that they can vote for someone else, that the voters like go into the vote knowing, okay, we can actually vote for somebody beside for Trout this year. So I have – my gut would say that – The narrative carries Bregman. Yeah. That, my vote would be for Bregman. I, I, I think like, mine would too. I like MVPs to be on playoff teams. And we would get a Jewish MVP. On Yom Kippur week, that's that's great for the, for the cause. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But you, I want MVPs on playoff teams. Or else they're... Like, we know Chad's the best player, but win some games. Right. And, and to, to Chase's point, Bregman passed him in war at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I just think the big, big counter-argument to that is... Trout lost by .1 in the war race and literally missed the last month of the season. How is that working in his favor? He missed the last month of the season. Because his numbers were still so good the despite best that. Abil- the best ability is availability, Chase. Everyone knows that. In that case, Marcus Simeon's the MVP. Only player in baseball to play 162 games. False. One other player was in the lineup for 162 games. Your AL home run champion, Jorge Soler. Is that true? He was in the lineup for all 162. Okay, well played. I think Simeon was the only position player to do it. All right, moving to, well, Soler is technically a position player, but. <laughs> DH. We DH'd. Moving to the National well, yeah, League. Check his baseball reference. Moving to the National League, I think Rendon didn't do quite enough at the end to really claim the NLMVP, so he's third. Yelich and Bellinger, it's going to be a very, very highly contested MVP race. I think you can, it's like the AL, it could go either way, but to me, as great as Bellinger was, and this is a point I should have made about Trout. If a guy leads the league in average on base and slugging, it's really hard for me not to think he's the most valuable player in the league. For that reason, I'm going Christian Yelich. I know they made that playoff run without him, but I got to go Yelich. It's the eye test for me. I was Bellinger. I was Yelich all season, but again, the best ability, availability, he missed the last month of the season where his team played his be- the be- their best baseball, got into the playoffs without him, and the numbers are close enough that I would just side with, uh, side with Bellinger. Sam, what are your thoughts? Bryce, I think we've been hanging out too much because I'm, I'm with you with that as well. All right, fair enough. AL Rookie of the Year, it's Jordan Alvarez. We're not going to talk about this. NL Rookie of the Year, it's Pete. We're also not going to bother with this one. Um, we'll go NL Cy Young first. Probably between DeGrom and Ryu, Strasburg was great the whole year. Um, and again, I just want to remind everyone, these votes are all tallied before the postseason. So, like, Strasburg's dominant postseason does not go into effect. Jack Flaherty has been great. It was great down the stretch, but I think he's a distant four. So, DeGrom or Ryu, I just think for Ryu to have won the Cy Young, his ERA would have had to have been so much lower than DeGrom's. Uh, DeGrom led the league in strikeouts, led the league in whip, was second in ERA. It's not his fault that the Mets suck. I think based on who the best pitcher was in the National League, it was Jacob McGraw. I'm going to go with the ESPN Cy Young calculator and make my case for Strasburg. He led the league in innings. Did he lead the league in innings, or did he just have more innings in the ground? That I don't know offhand. Let me check the ground. Well, he, Strasburg won the ESPN Cy Young calculator, and he led the league in wins. One thing I will say about the Cy Young calculator, I do think it's a useful tool, but you get a fat bonus for that point system if your team made the playoffs. No, you get a fat bonus if you win the division, which Strasburg does not have. Got it. So let me check this real quick. But I just want the guy that goes out there every day, gives you innings, and wins you games. 
And Strasburg had more innings than DeGrom and more wins than DeGrom. And those are two stats I look for. And his ERA, Strasburg had a 3-3, DeGrom had a 2-4. DeGrom had a 2-4 in mostly meaningless games. He's great in the meaningless games. Dude, I'm totally okay if Strasburg wins it. I'm uh, rooting for him. Cespedes Family Barbecue had a tweet that I think is very apropos of the year Strasburg's had is it's amazing how he went from the most hyped pitching prospect of all time to somehow being underrated. True. Well, he's never been, I mean, they got, once they got Scherzer, he was permanently their number two. Correct. So he's no longer the ace of his own staff. Harper also stole a bunch of the thunder from him down there. So he's never been, he's never had his team other than his debut start. And then, uh, I really think when the Cardinals, you see, uh, I think Trump tweeted seven years ago that the Nationals should have kept Strat. They shouldn't have. And he brought it, retweeted it. And that's been retweeted. And that may have been his, Trump's best take. Real quick, Cardinals are living to play another day. One in ten innings on a Yachty Molina sack fly. That's going to game five. Yachty also read the game tying RBI. So good for Yachty. Somebody just texted me, is Yachty Hall of Fame? To me, no brainer. The answer is yes. I mean, he's Cardinals Hall of Fame. I think he's going to finish with over 2,000 hits, all the gold gloves, the all-star team, and he's won two rings. He's a Hall of Fame catcher. I'd have to look closer into his stats, but catchers don't get into the Hall that easily. Yachty's just got the name brand, but we could talk about that for a while. AL Cy Young, Charlie Morton, I think, has third place locked in. Which Astros pitcher do you guys have? I think Cole had a better season, but narrative carries Verlander. Like I've been saying for a while now, that no-hitter. Ty goes to the no-hitter. I thought that for a while, and I agreed. In an ideal world, somehow the two of them tie. I would love a tie. It's not going to happen, but if the sports writers colluded to make it happen, it would be great. All that said, I agree with Verlander and the narrative, but I think once Garrett Cole also won 20 games, to me that swung it towards Cole a little bit just because 326 strikeouts. Had one of the most dominant pitching seasons ever. Um, actually ended up also leading the league in ERA. ERA and strikeouts to me. Garrett Cole's a Cy Young winner. But again, if you're a Houston fan, this is a great problem to have. And I think they can't go wrong either way. Yeah, two great pitchers. I mean, this was Either of them would win it in the NL, no hands down. I think they both had much better seasons than DeGrom, Flaherty, Ryu, Strasburg. But uh, it's just tough. Sometimes it breaks that way. And I think most years they win it in the American League in a landslide. Yeah, I mean, we went over it. How often? I think it was only Schilling and Randy Johnson when teammates had 300 strikeouts. This almost never happened. So good for both of them. And uh, what was it, Mike Miner? He can learn something. Maybe shoot for 300 next year instead of 200. All right, Manager of the Year. Those are our last two awards. Comeback Player of the Year. We're not even going to bother. Who won Comeback Player of the Year? I have no idea. They haven't announced it yet, but I'm just saying. What are we thinking? Anyone come to mind immediately? Mm-hmm. AL, and this is just because he's been injury prone the past years, give me Michael Brantley. Three hitter for the Astros, was right in the batting title race to the last month or so, all-star. Um, and in the National League, and nobody really comes to mind like immediately, immediately. Anyone coming back from injuries that just crushed it? Uh, I got nothing. I was hoping you did it's hard. All right, managers of the year. I think in the AL, it's either Booney, Bob Melvin in Oakland, or Rocco Bedelli. Maybe this is a homer pick, but 
Yanks won over 100 games, had the most injuries of any team in baseball history. Give me Boone. Yep. I'll go with Rocco, first-year guy, Minnesota team. 100 wins out of a Minnesota Twins team. That's really impressive. Good and, and again, this is where I want to reiterate. Votes are tabulated before the postseason. <laughs> yes. So, good call. Give it a Rocco. NL, do you have Brian Snitger, who could go back-to-back with the Braves, Mike Schilt in St. Louis, or I would say Craig Council in Milwaukee. I think as great as Milwaukee was that last month of the season, I think you got to give it to Mike Schilt. NL Central was one of the toughest divisions in baseball this year. Cardinals came out on top, beat the Brewers, beat the Cubs, um, and now are maybe heading to the NLCS. We'll see what happens. So give me Mike Schilt. I'll go Council's red-hot September for that team after losing Yelich. Could be the recency bias, too. Recency bias, I'd go Council. He also had two great years there, and he couldn't get it last year. So It's true. All right, we're going to recap the wild card round real quick. So in the AL wild card game, the Rays defeated the Oakland Athletics 5-1 on Wednesday. Uh, the Rays cranked out four homers while limiting the A's to eight singles en route to the 5-1 victory. Yandy Diaz got things started quickly, belting a leadoff home run to right center off of A's starter Sean Manea. Avizel Garcia added a two-run homer to center in the second, and Diaz hit another homer in the third. Solo shot to the opposite field. Once Manea was out at that point, Tommy Pham then swatted another solo homer off of Yasmero Petit to make it a 5-1 game. Charlie Morton now holds the MLB record for the most wins in baseball history in elimination games. Um, that goes back to Game 7 of the 2017 ALCS and World Series. And now this game got the win in all of them. And that's the record? That's the record. is three. That seems like a breakable record. I agree. But good uh, for him to have it now. It's cool to have now. A um, couple quick social media tidbits that I thought were interesting, and then we'll talk about the game a little more. Uh, one from Jason Stark. Uh, Yandy Diaz became the first player ever to lead off the postseason with a homer after going hitless since July 22nd. Uh, I should have mentioned this was Diaz's first game off the injured list since July 22nd. And Manea in the regular season gave up three home runs and 109 batters. Uh, the wild card game gave up three home runs and 10 batters. And Yandy Diaz's homer was the fourth leadoff homer in winner-take-all game in postseason history. Charlie Morton threw his fastest pitch of the season, 97.8 miles per hour. Um, and this is, I just think, really cool. Uh, Yandy Diaz is from Cuba, and when he was told that there was going to be 50,000 people at the Coliseum, uh, he replied with, there were people with guns when I played in Cuba. Uh, so Yandy Diaz absolutely balled out. He's one of the most muscular players I've ever seen. Um, and I think the Rays, in a lot of ways, out-A's the A's. Does that make sense? Kind of. Kind of. Out athletic the athletic? Because then, no, because then you would think it like actually had to do with how athletic they are. But regardless, I mean, the Rays did this right. Charlie Morton, this is the reason they signed the pitch game like this. Um, and I think if you're the athletics, it's a real bummer that you're getting bounced in the wild card game again. Uh, Billy Bean, it just seems like cannot get over the hump in those winner-takes-all games. Um, but a great season for the athletics. And look, this is an example where Sean Manea was the hot hand. Uh, but he had only made four starts coming into the postseason the entire year. And in a game like this, you need a true ace, which I think Charlie Morton is. Race took care of business. Um, any thoughts on this wild card game? Yeah, it seemed like it was done. I mean, we watched that game together. It was, uh, we could tell it would be over as soon as, like, I mean, as soon as the Rays got out to that early lead, that first home it was done. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think from a momentum standpoint <coughs> in any game, when the team hits a leadoff home run to start the game, it's very hard to get the momentum back in your favor. I think regardless of the teams and the circumstance. 
Yeah, it's just, I mean, you see it a lot, and we'll talk about the NL game next, where the opposite happened. Correct. So the NL wild card game was not that wild, but the NL wild card game was crazy. Um, Nats beat the Brewers 4-3, and I think anyone watching this, if you watched the first five, six innings of the game, you would have thought the Brewers had it in the bag. Uh, Scherzer was on the hill for the Nationals. Brewers got to him early, swatting a pair of home runs in the first two innings, taking a 3-1 lead into the eighth. Looked like the Nationals were f- going to lose in the playoffs yet again. Um, but Juan Soto delivered a base-clearing single that was aided by a fielding error by right fielder Trent Grisham. Uh, gave the Nats a 4-3 lead. Daniel Hudson in the ninth closed the door. Um, and this was really the way this kind of all unraveled was wild. Uh, before we get there, I want to give a shout-out to Steven Strasburg. He had never pitched in relief before in the bigs. Uh, he took over for Scherzer in the sixth and held the Brewers to three scoreless innings, striking out four. Uh, and to me, as great as Scherzer is, agree or disagree, Strasburg is the big game pitcher in that rotation. I don't know. In a big game, I think I'd still take Scherzer just because of the potential. I mean, Scherzer, every time he takes them out, I'm thinking 20 strikeouts, no-hitter. And just so I'd I'd put him on the mound, but like I said, Strasburg was my Cy Young pick. He gives you innings and wins games. So Josh Hader, who is arguably maybe the best relief pitcher in baseball the past two years, he's a racist. He is a racist. So maybe this could have been karma. Remains to be seen. Uh, he gets the ball in the eighth inning, and he hit Michael Taylor with a pitch on uh, replay. It looks like the ball hit the bat first, but the umpires did not overturn. Real quick, do you think they got that call right? Wrong? They got it right. Uh, to me, a bang-bang call like that, I know that's by definition what replay is for, but whatever that is, it's what's going to be on the field. I know Craig Council had to challenge it, but that's reality. It was the right challenge. That yeah. was a good use of the challenge. But. And then from there, yeah. Ryan Zimmerman, broken bat, loop single. Hater then walked Anthony Rendon to load the bases. And then Juan Soto in the lefty-lefty matchup, uh, really showing why he's going to be a superstar for years to come. Base hit into right, and then Grisham just... Overran it. You could tell Hader didn't have it from his first pitch. His first slider went high, and from then on, I knew it was trouble. That's about trouble. If you're not on, you're not on. And, I mean, Council did everything right. That's the right guy in that situation. You want to put your best arm out there. But um, if you, when your guy does, I mean, what's your thought on that? Do you trust your best guy, or if you feel like he doesn't have it, would you take him out? I think you got to go with your best guy. I mean, Even if he doesn't have it, like Hader didn't, Hader didn't have great control that whole from the first pitch. I just think he's a guy that he is the reason you've gotten as far as you have the past two years, and there's no one else in that bullpen you want to give it to. I, I think, and this is just for comparison's sake, it's like the Yankees, if Chapman doesn't have it, you're going to give the ball to Britain, you're going to give the ball to Adovino, to somebody else. The Brewers don't have that guy. Hader is the guy, um, and they don't have that starting rotation, so Hader has been really the Andrew Miller of the 2018 and 2019 seasons. Um, and it's too bad. I mean, look, uh, you, you hate to pin it on one person, but if Trent Grisham fields that ball cleanly, who knows what happens. You also hate to play the, and I said this to you right away, you know who makes that play right, Christian Yelich. Does he, though? There was something weird. I think they were talking about there was... It's a weird topspin. Weird cut in the grass. They cut like a half inch. To, all right, whatever. Point being, Brewers lost. Yeah, and per Ryan Spader, the Nationals are the first team to advance in the postseason on an error since the Blue Jays advanced to the ALCS on a throwing error in 2016. I don't remember that throwing error. Nor do I. But it happened. Was it that crazy game against the Rangers when... So I think I do remember that error, though. And this win snapped um, 
the record for consecutive losses in Max Scher- or not record, but snapped the streak of consecutive losses for Max Scherzer's teams in his postseason starts that dated all the way back to his time in Detroit. Maybe Strasburg is the big game pitcher for that team. I don't know. Yeah. What do I know? All right, so Rays-Astros series, um, we'll go right into it, games one through three. Game one, Verlander was Verlander. Astros went 6-2. Uh, the Rays drew three walks, but other than that, didn't two a ton. Verlander threw seven scoreless, allowed one hit, and struck out eight. Tyler Glass now for the Rays was pretty solid. Um, he got out of a bases-loaded jam in the fourth, striking out. Uh, Jordan Alvarez with an 100-mile-per-hour fastball on the black. It was pretty great. Um, but Altuve hit a two-run homer, knocked Glass now out of the game. And then from there, um, Brendan McKay gave up a few runs. And Jordan Alvarez and Yuli Gurriel both hit ribby doubles off of Oliver Drake, 6 nothing. Um, from Sarah Langs, this was Verlander's ninth career postseason start with seven innings pitched and no more than one run allowed. Tied for the second most all-time with Smoltz and Kurt Schilling. Tom Glavin at 11 is the only pitcher to have more. Again, I just think this is an example where, especially when Charlie Morton's out, as great as Tyler Glass now is, it's his second full year in the bigs, and Verlander's a workhorse for a reason. Yeah, Verlander has been the best pitcher, best pitcher in baseball, him and Cole, all year. You're, you're not going to beat Verlander. You're not going to beat Cole if you're a team like Tampa. Without someone that can compete with them, as great as Morton's been, that lineup's not good enough. I mean, I was shocked they got the win today. So this is going to be an Astros sweep. So game two, Astros win 3-1. Uh, Garrett Cole... Uh, one of the best postseason starts, one of maybe the best starts I've ever seen, period, honestly. Seven and two-thirds innings, four hits, struck out 15 of the 27 batters he's faced. Uh, per MLB stat- stats, he's now struck out at least 10 batters per start in 10 consecutive outings. His 15 strikeouts are a new postseason record for the club and the third most ever in a postseason start. Uh, Blake Snell pitched well. He gave a, he had his first postseason start, three and a third, one hit, uh, one run ball. Alex Bregman, the one run was a no-doubt home run. Um, from there, they scored on a Martin Maldonado ribby single off of Emilio Pagan. That was 2-1. Uh, and where it got really interesting, though, was in the eighth inning, um, Kevin Kiermeyer lashed a two-out double off of Cole on his 118th pitch. And then from there, Ozuna got a strikeout. Bottom of the ninth, uh, Ozuna led off with two hits given up to Austin Meadows and Tommy Pham and a wild pitch and an eight-pitch walk later. Rays had the bases loaded, no outs. Um, from there, on a force play, Adizel Garcia got a run in, but then from there, uh, they shut the door. Will Harris came in, closed out the game. Um, Garrett Cole had the most walks with no strikeouts in a postseason game ever, and Alex Bregman became one of nine players to homer on the same date in three separate postseasons. Albert Pools is the most recent. The machine! He comes back every week. Every week I find a way to get Albert Pools onto this podcast. And, I, again, I just think, you know, if you're lining it up in the World Series, I guess this is the best question that we can have. Say the Astros win against the Rays and beat the Yankees and everyone's rested. Do you want Verlander being the one going game one where he's making three starts, or are you going to give the ball to Garrett Cole? I think it depends on how Verlander responds in this game four on short rest. If Verlander is not comfortable going on short rest, then you, I think they want Cole. And I actually think that's what they're doing, starting Verlander in four, lining it up to have Cole in one in the next series. So they want Cole. Yeah. So the two-thirds of the Astros star-studded rotation delivered. The third piece of it, Zach Greg did not today. Before I get to Greg's start, did you see his press conference yesterday? He said 43 words and was asked, like, 20 questions. 
Yeah, he has a severe, he has very diagnosed anxiety. So he's always been weird with the media. This thing, not a surprise for anyone that's followed Greg his whole career. But like, it's still pretty funny. His best press conference was, uh, was the one when he got introduced in Arizona. No, the best one ever is the no-hitter one. When he was, he basically said, I think throwing a no-hitter would be an inconvenience. When did, I don't remember that. It was this year. They asked him. I think it was right after Verlander's no-hitter. Uh, and he was still with Arizona at the time. But they were like, yeah. I, he basically said, I wouldn't want the media attention that would come with throwing a no-hitter. And then he almost threw one with Houston later in the year. Interesting guy, Zach Ranky. But needless, I gotta get some quotes up from that Arizona press conference. But needless to say, uh, the Rays rocked Granky for three homers and then continued to pile on for an easy 10-3 win to force Game Four of an ALDS matchup. Charlie Morton today was great. Five innings, gave up a solo homer to Altuve in the first, but other than that, nothing else. Struck out nine against two walks. Charlie Morton again, big game pitcher. Um, but then from there, Travis Darnode um, got hit by a pitch with two on. Uh, in the second inning, Kevin Kiermeyer hit a three-run homer. Um, Azvizo Garcia was also at first after a single. Rays were up 3-1, and then from there, G-Man Choi and Brandon Lowe singled, made it 5-1. Um, Hector Rondon came up in relief, gave up a single, and was pulled for Raid Miley. He gave up a ribby double, ribby single. From there, it was 8-1, two more runs scored, 10-1 final score, or 10-3 final score, excuse me. And I think of nothing else for the Rays, even if they lose tomorrow, I think the fact that you got a game against Granke um, and really made this a competitive series for the first time um, is really cool. I read something today that um, when Willie Adames came up um, in the game, it was the first time that a Rays hitter came up with a lead in the entire series so far. Um, so at least you finally showed a little bit of life and you made it competitive, uh, which is a Rays fan. I mean, like we're Yankee fans and the Yankees won 102, 103 games this year. And we don't even know if we're going to be competitive with the Astros necessarily. Um, so I think silver lining for the Rays, you got a game, which is great. Can I respond with an irrelevant Zach Greinke quote? I mean, it's relevant. We're just talking about it. On his introductory uh, press conference to Arizona, he said, I'd say the average person wouldn't eat a Chipotle burrito and still do his running full speed like me. That's why they call me special. <laughs> Maybe that's why I got lit up by the Rays in the postseason, but who knows? What a bizarre, bizarre thing to say. <laughs> Uh, there's, there's really nothing else to say other than he is a bizarre, bizarre human being. The Nats got runners on first and third with one out in the bottom of the third. Down one nothing. Yeah, I just, I just flipped over to see a little bit of that game. Um, but next we're going to go to the ALDS, the 2-3 matchup of the Yankees and the Twins. Uh, right now, the Twins, 15-game losing streak in the postseason. Uh, so, spoiler alert, the Yankees won both games. Uh, is the most of any MLB team in history. And if they lose tonight to the Yanks, their 16 consecutive losses in the postseason will tie the Blackhawks for the most across the four major U.S. sports. Uh, game one, Yanks ran away with it, uh, beat the Twins 10-4, and gained an early 1-0 lead in the series. Uh, in the home run race, uh, the Yankees out. Even though the Twins won the home run race, Yankees really out hit the Twins in that first game. Jorge Polanco led off the first with a solo shot against Paxton. Nelson Cruz hit a home run in the third, made it 2-0. Uh, but then from there, Edwin Encarnacion, Ribby double, and then a two-run error uh, that scored Judge and Encarnacion. From there, the Yanks took the lead. Flip-flopped a little bit. Um, Polanco had a Ribby single in the fifth to make it 5-4, but then Torres, two-run double. Miguel Sano then homered, but then DJ and Brett Gardner each hit a home run. Uh, and then in the bottom of the seventh to ice it, LeMayo had a three-run double. Final score, 10-4, and I became the first club's first 
first baseman to register four babies in a postseason game since Tino Martinez in Game 1 of the 98 World Series. I guess the big question here is, you know what the Yankees do. Jose Barrios was pitching really well, 88 pitches through five innings. Um, the Yankees are going to hit, but all that said, would you have pulled Barrios after five like Rafa Badelli did? No, that made no sense to me at the time. That's your best guy. I get that people are managers are infatuated with bullpens these days, but if your guys like you saw with the Cardinals in Game Three, I believe Wainwright went into the eighth. If your guys dealing, keep him out there. I agree. In the postseason, I think you got to ride the hot hand, um, and they didn't. Plain and simple. Uh, so Game Two, uh, I was at the stadium for both these games. Game One was electric, but Game Two was the first time in a while I felt the stadium shake. Yankees won 8-2. Tanaka was absolutely dealing. Struck out seven of the 19 batters he faced. One run, three hits, uh, five innings. Uh, Twins were scoreless for three innings in the fourth. Uh, They got a run, but other than that, Tanaka pitched a hitless fifth. Yankees bullpen pitched great. Um, The big blow was the D.D. Gregorius grand slam into the upper deck. That gave the Yankees a 7-0 lead. Brett Gardner single made it 8-0, and then from there they scored two runs in the ninth. But at that point, the game was all but over. Um, but my question for you guys is, Jay Goderizzi made the all-star team this year. Um, and instead, they started Randy Dobnak, a rookie who was best known for being an Uber driver in the minor leagues. 4.99 rating. So, great Uber driver. Um, but they didn't great start- mustache. Great mustache. But again, you're starting a rookie who's only made a handful of starts this year in Game 2 at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Rocco Bedelli said that Dobnik's 52.9% ground ball rate was a large role in a decision to go with him. As opposed to Odorizzi, who had a 35%. Uh, ground ball rate. I know Dobnik had a 1.59 ERA in 28 in the third innings pitch, but you have an all-star pitcher on your team against the New York Yankees. How the fuck is he not getting the ball? I think unfamiliarity works in the pitcher's favor. You throw a guy the hitters have never seen up there, and if the manager believes in him, you trust him, the hitters have never seen him before, that's a big advantage for the pitcher. I agree with the move. Something that should be noted Putting a guy who used to be an Uber driver on the mound in Yankee Stadium, knowing what the fans are like, is just not a good idea. Which, uh, almost... You don't don't know how much of an impact it had, but it might have had a little impact. One thing I also want to say is there's a lot of writers who are going after people, or going after Yankee fans, and I was one of the Yankee fans who 100% did this, who were chanting, Uber driver, when he got pulled from the game. If you don't think that any other franchise is going to have their fans chanting the same thing in a playoff game. One, you're naive, and two, like, even Randy Dobnik thought it was funny after the game. Like, I know we're in the PC world, it's 2019, this and that, but, like, give me a freaking break. That seems seems PC. He's literally an Uber driver, and they were like, well, how could you make fun of him because that's how he sustained his income in the minor leagues? It's like, give me a fucking break. It's playoff baseball. He gave up six runs. Hey, I rock. That's why. You don't want me to chant Uber driver? Pitch well. Simple as that. I agree that most other stadiums would chant that as well, but maybe not quite as loud. I agree. And that's what's a good thing about the Yanks fans these days. Yeah. They're in it. All right, moving to the National League, Dodgers-Nats series. Game one, Walker Bueller was brilliant. He tossed six shutout innings. Uh, Nats won 6 nothing in game – or the Dodgers beat the Nats 6 nothing in game one of the NLDS Thursday. Bullpen backed him up with three shutout innings. Uh, per Katie Sharp, Walker Bueller was the youngest pitcher in MLB history with eight strikeouts, no runs, and one hit or fewer allowed in a postseason game. Uh, and from Ryan Spader, Walker Bueller was the first pitcher in baseball history to strike out at least seven batters in each of his five postseason appearances, uh, joining Bob Gibson, who did it in each of his first four. 
I don't even have a lot to talk about this because, honestly, the Dodgers just dominated from start to finish. Patrick Corbin walked the first four batters of the game and then did settle down. Five innings, one run. But once you got into that bullpen... It's a bold move walking the first four. Yeah, not good. And once you got into the Nats' bullpen, once Strasburg or Scherzer couldn't pitch, um, that was that. Walker Bueller, again, this is why the Dodgers scare me more than any team in baseball just because not only do they have more money than any team in baseball, but... Bueller's an example. It seems like they hit on every single one of their prospects. Well, they're a well-run organization. That makes sense. No, it's true. The Dodgers scare you more than the Astros? I'm not saying this season. Sorry. Not this season, but in the grand scope of baseball. Well, I think you predicted that Mookie Betts would end up on the Dodgers. That just shows how well-run they are, that they have the assets to go out and acquire, to even hypothetically acquire a guy like Mookie Betts. I mean, look, to the Astros' credit, though, uh, they're a close 1B to this. Because all of their offense is homegrown. Um, I just think the Dodgers not only developed the offensive talent, but Bueller, Kershaw. I know they posted Ryu, but Ryu has still worked with their guys. Those are all guys that I consider homegrown Dodger guys. I'd even throw in Urias, Dustin May. Uh, the Astros pitching is great, but all three of those guys are Cy Young winners that they've traded. Which is still a totally feasible way to build a team. But I don't think that reflects as much on the Dodger or on the Astros farm system. Can I backtrack a little bit? Sure. Did you guys see Yachty's bat toss? On a sack fly? I would call it a bat flip, but he rounded first base and threw the bat into the outfield. I did not. You're telling me that guy's not going to be in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> Let's watch it live. Oh, wow. Wow, that's... He, I, I hope he looked both ways before he tossed <laughs> into the outfield that he wasn't going to hit anybody because, I mean, baseball baseball punishments aside, that's got to be a felony of some kind. Throwing, some, throwing a baseball bat and hitting someone in the head. Jimmy, what do you think? I agree. Jimmy agrees. We're Jimmy, all on the same page on that one. Jimmy, was it your birthday recently? It was last Wednesday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I just found out Jimmy turned 28. Yeah. He's so much older than I am. <laughs> so much older. Doesn't act like it, though, which is a good thing. Yeah. I, I mean that in the... I mean, no, I mean that in an only positive way. Oh, thank you. So... I would take that as a negative. I don't, know what, I don't know what could be seen as positive. Jimmy, that. also, I'll be up front. I went to take two of his Stacey's pita chips before. And let me be <laughs> honest, this guy is as good of an Italian as I've ever seen. There is more pasta and sauce there than in the Jersey Shore household. And rumor has it his mom makes a great eggplant parm. This is true. Jimmy's mom, if you happen to be listening, we'd love some eggplant parm for our next show. I can promise you his mom is not she listening. Would, but she would definitely do that. All right, I'll take it. 50-50 there. Um, game two of the Dodgers-Nats. Bavada had odds on us not getting eggplant parm. I'd say the uh, no eggplant parm for next show. Minus 10,000. <laughs> Minus 10,000 on the no eggplant parm. Jimmy, this is a good way for you to scheme us out of some money, though. Definitely could scheme. I'd probably take the plus. We could scheme him also, though, by not having the show here. So all things Ooh. all things that could be in play. Uh, game- you just lowered the odds. <laughs> Pavada, if you're listening, you need to adjust. All right, game two. Um, Nats picked up a big 4-2 victory over the Dodgers Friday. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, I mean, look, he didn't pitch bad. Six innings, three runs. It was a definition of a quality start, but yet again did not get the job done in the postseason. Uh, Steven Strasburg went six innings, one run, ten strikeouts. Uh, but according to MLB stats, He's the fourth, the only pitcher in baseball history with 10 strikeouts at the degree of his first four playoff appearances. He now, with a minimum of four starts, also has the lowest postseason ERA in baseball history at .64. Um, Nats got on the board early, four runs. Sean Doolittle pitched the um, 
seventh, and then from there they gave the ball to Scherzer in the eighth. He struck out Gavin Lux, Chris Taylor, and Jack Peterson in an order. Daniel Hudson came in, closed it out in the ninth. Um, and something that could have backfired big time is once Hudson allowed a leadoff double, they intentionally walked the tying run, Max Muncie, and then loaded the bases um, before Corey Seager struck out to end the game. Could have blown up in Davey Martinez's face big time, but it didn't. And to me, we talked about Strasburg being a big game pitcher before. Proof is in the pudding right here. A lot of it just goes down to you trust your guys. If you trust your pitchers to get the outs, you can do things like walk, throw intentionally walks, throw out intentional walks in the bottom of the ninth inning. All right, so before we even get to game three, I just want to ask you guys this question. Say the Nationals somehow beat the Dodgers. They went tonight in game four, they win game five, and they advance the NFC. Well, in game four, Anthony Rendon, sack fly, now tied up 1-1. Yeah, I was going to wait to see how this inning played out to announce it. But bases loaded, two outs for the Nats in the bottom of the third. Kent to my eight already in for Rich Hill, Howie Kendrick up for the Nationals. But say they win this series and they get to the NLCS. Annabelle Sanchez was great yesterday, and we're going to literally talk about that in two minutes. So their rotation truly is four deep. But given that their primary relievers have been their starting pitchers, is there any way a team like this can survive a seven-game series? Or yeah. you just hope the starters are that, good, are that good that it doesn't matter? Depends who they're playing. You need to go back to the conventional, the old-school way of, all right, Strasburg, game one, go six. Scherzer, go seven. Sanchez, we need you to go six or seven. And then you have Doolittle and Hudson ready to go to bridge the gap. Yeah. I mean, you have to win it the way that baseball has been played for the first 115 years of baseball. Well said. All right, so game three, I thought the Nats had this game yesterday. Um, Ryu gave up a two-run homer to Juan Soto. Annabelle Sanchez was great. Only run he allowed to the Dodgers in his final inning of work in the fifth was when Max Muncy lifted a solo home run to right center field. A lot of people, Madelinski especially, and Sam will attest to this, said, how is Sanchez starting over Scherzer? How is Sanchez starting over Scherzer? He absolutely delivered a ton of strikeouts, and he was great. Um, but then from there, like we said, the Nats have been going to their starters out of the pen. Patrick Corbin got the ball um, on three days rest for the sixth. He had a handful of Dodgers lefties at the top of the lineup, but then from there... Bellinger led off with a single. It was his first of two hits in the inning. David Freeze postseason machine, two-out single. Uh, Russell Martin hit a home run. 3-2 lead from there. Um, or, excuse me, not a home run. Two-run double. 3-2 lead from there. Chris Taylor walked. Kike Hernandez hit a two-out, two-run double of his own. It's 5-2. Max Muncy gets intentionally walked. Uh, and then Wander Suero replaced Corbin. And then from there, Turner hits a no-doubt three-run homer. Cherry on top of a seven-run Sunday of an inning. And all seven runs scored with two outs and 0-2 counts for the hitters. Absolutely unbelievable inning for the Dodgers. Um, from there, the final score was 10-4. Not going to go into all those details. But I give the Nats credit that they're battling right now because, to me, this was a back-breaking loss. You get to Ryu early. Credit to Annabelle Sanchez. But, again, let's see if we get to Game 5 tomorrow um, and you ideally want to save Strasburg for Game 1 of an NLCS what are you going to do to game in Game 5 with the bullpen? Because Corbin came in, and it seemed like they had everything lined up, and it blew up in their face badly. I mean, Game five's all hands on deck. It's, true. it's a winner-go-home game. Everybody's out. Who would be starting? Scherzer? Scherzer, because he didn't pitch. Oh, Scherzer's pitching today. Oh, Strasburg's pitching tomorrow. All right, so you start or Game Str- 5 if they get there. You start Strasburg if you get there, and then Scherzer, even on two days rest, is an option. Or Annabelle Sanchez. And Corbin will be back big. out of the pet. They got arms to do it. I'm not. I wouldn't be too concerned on a pitching standpoint from the Nats. My big fear would just be the Dodgers are better, and that's why you lose that game. 
But Strasburg and Corbin, that's more than capable. Those are more than capable arms in a game, in a do or die game. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm totally with you there. Uh, moving to the Cardinals Braves series, uh, game one, Cardinals rally late and end up winning seven six over the Braves. Cardinals are up three one before the eighth. Chris Martin gets hurt and Luke Jackson comes in and enters in his place. He's up a solo home run to Paul Goldschmidt, Paul DeYoung, and Colton Wong two out singles. Matt Carpenter hits a single and DeYoung scores. Adam Duvall throws out Wong at home plate, attempting to score any of the inning. But then from there, uh, they score against Mark Melanson. Um, Score a bunch of runs there, ended up taking a 7-3 lead. And then from there, Carlos Martinez made it very interesting in the ninth, gave up three home runs, including a Ronald Acuna homer, uh, but ended up closing it out in the ninth inning. What I want to talk about here, though, is I know Ronald Acuna is a superstar, um, but he basically watched a 315-foot single hit off the wall um, and ended up getting doubled off second base on a Howie Kendrick, or not Howie Kendrick, um, Ozzie Albee's liner because of it. Um, Is this a serious problem that Acuna has been benched for not hustling earlier this year, and some will make the argument that it cost them a playoff game. Excuse me, it was Josh Donaldson who hit the line, or not Albies. Um, Freddie Freeman, who's the team leader, even said it's frustrating. That can't happen in the postseason. It can't happen in the regular season. Unfortunately, tonight it did. Is this going to be a black mark on Acuna, despite how unbelievable he is as a talent? He's, what, 21 years old? He's pretty young. I think this is a correctable problem. And I don't think the Bray... What would you do? What would you do? I mean, you can't get rid of Acuna. He's no, of course not. If he has, if this is his issue, you scream at him. You keep screaming at him until he gets it, and eventually he'll grow up and get it. He's seven years younger than Jimmy. Shots fired. Jeez. Um, yeah, this is something happened in the regular season. He probably brushed off like it was no big deal. Figured I'm, you know, I'm a stud. Not a problem. Happens in the postseason and costs you a game. That'll probably be the last time it happens, at least in a meaningful game. I would guess. I would think any sort of errors that are heightened like this in the postseason, under the lens of postseason, postseason scrutiny, he will learn his lesson. He will not be doing this again. Braves fans, you have nothing to worry about going forward. Okay, fair enough. Uh, moving to game two, Braves beat the Cardinals 3-0 to even the series. Mike fulton seven brilliant scoreless innings. Adam Duvall comes in, hits a pinch hit, two-run homer. Um, and, and again, this is the start they needed. Fulton Evich, very inconsistent in the second half. In fact, he even got sent down in the middle of the year. But his dominant all-star self that he was in 2018. Um, and it was really cool to see the Braves pull off that win. Jack Flaherty finally took an L. It's been a while. Um, not a ton to say here other than the fact that shout-out to Adam Duvall for the big walk-off hit. Any other thoughts on this game? No, this series, I think, from uh, from my point of view, this is the series I was least excited about going into it. Correct. This series didn't have... Something about the markets, the, I think it's the lack of star pitching. Really, Okuna is the big star from either team, and uh, clearly he has his issues. So, uh, this series is the one I've kind of, I, I have been watching this one, I haven't really been watching the Astros race, because I just assumed the Astros would, would sweep them. But uh, Game 5s are always fun, let's see, can't wait for that in a couple of days. So I'm going to just cut forward to Game 4, because I didn't have a chance to put anything in the notes, but... Yadi Molina, walk-off sack fly, Cardinals win 5-4. Uh, it's going to be Jack Flaherty and Mike Soroka in all likelihood, so a really great young pitching matchup. Um, but 
there was a chance that I thought that the Cardinals were going to win Game 3 and that win would have closed it out. Uh, the Braves were shut out for eight and two-thirds innings Sunday and then rallied for three runs with two outs on the top of the ninth to come from behind and stun the Cardinals in Game 3, winning 3-1. Um, Soroka was great. He gave up a lone run in the second, but he went seven innings. It was brilliant. Adam Wainwright, 120 pitches, really turned back the clock. That was vintage Wainwright. Seven and two-thirds scoreless innings. We haven't gotten a vintage Wainwright in a while. Um, and Carlos Martinez, leadoff double to Donaldson. He struck out Marquez and Danny Hachavaria. Uh, Brian McCann's intentionally walked. And then Dansby Swanson ripped the double off the wall. And then Adam Duvall, two, home, two runs on a single over center field. Two walk-offs in three games, so really cool for Adam Duvall. The big question here, why Why do you take Andrew Miller out after one batter? I think just the situational. Carlos Martinez has been their closer the whole year. He's been the guy. Uh, and that didn't even really affect them. Martinez came in to start the ninth, clean inning. Um, I yeah. agree. But why don't you go with Miller to start the ninth? I just think the reality is Miller hasn't been Miller of old. I think all of us, myself included, still have the image of Andrew Miller almost single-handedly pitching the Indians to a World Series. And he hasn't been that guy for the Cardinals this year. And uh, Martinez has been the guy. Um, all that said, though, he's the first reliever in baseball history to allow three earned runs in multiple games of the same division series. Um, the last person to do that in any postseason series, Yankee, 2004 ALCS, Javi Vasquez. Oh, your boy. Uh, and some old and young, young guy um, dynamics here. Um, 22-year-old in Soroka and 38-year-old Wainwright. It was the first postseason game where one starting pitcher was 38-plus and the other was 22 Are they younger. really going to start Soroka in Game 5 if he pitched Game 3? Oh, no, it'll be faulty. Good call. Um, it was the first time since 2000 ALDS Game 4, which was 22-year-old Zito versus 38-year-old Clemens. Uh, Wainwright's the 17th pitcher in baseball history to reach 100 career strikeouts. What series is that? Set, what? What? When did Z... Was that A's Yanks? 2000, yeah. A's Yanks. Young Zito. Wainwright became the 17th pitcher in MLB history to have 100 postseason strikeouts, and the only one to do so was the Cardinals. Soroka, at 22 years and 63 days of age, uh, was the first... He was the youngest pitcher in postseason history with seven-plus innings and zero walks in their postseason debut. Uh, so that's where the playoffs are at right now. By the time we do this next week, we will know who is playing for the right to get into the World Series. Um, that Nats game 1-1, top four. Um, but to wrap this up, Mickey Calloway is officially out of New York, the Peace. Mets manager. Um, I give the Mets credit. The Wilpons actually did the right thing. Him and Brody flew down to Florida to meet Calloway in person and deliver the news. I have a bunch of quotes here, but we're getting close to an hour. I don't really need to go through it. Callaway was hired in October 2017. Uh, took over a team that finished with 70 wins in his previous year. Raced out to an 11-1 start in his first season, but then they went 5-21 in June, 77-85 on the year. Uh, this year, finished with 84-85 wins, but again, they just did not start well. Callaway really clashed with the media. In fact, threatened the media member. So I think for him it was just time to go. Um, potential replacements, Joe Girardi and Joe Madden, obviously. Mike Matheny, because he was boys with uh, Jeff Volpon in Michigan. John Gibbons, who was drafted by the Mets. Buck Showalter, I've heard. Robin What does John Gibbons being drafted by the Mets a million years ago have to do with the managerial job now? Because he has ties, I guess. Robin Ventura, former Met. Um, but the guy who I think is going to be the next manager of the Mets, Carlos Beltran. I think that's what the fans want. That would be the fun thing to do. So usually you have to bet against the Wilpons doing the fun thing for the fans. The only reason I like Beltran in it is, one, um, as an he's gotten high marks as an advisor with the Yankees. Again, take that as a grain of salt. Um, but they did say in that London series he made comments that did help the team beat the Red Sox in those two slugfest games. 
Um, I just also think a big thing is the Mets are cheap, so they're not going to pay Manning or Girardi. They still have to pay Callaway a million for next well, year. Matheny's going to Correct. Money. Beltran, it's his first year as a manager. You're not going to have to pay him a lot. Um, and he has the ties to the team. And I don't know how big this is, but for what it's worth, he is bilingual, and it seems like a lot of teams do look for that now. On that note, if um, someone like you or I, back baseball fans, if I learned to speak Japanese and Spanish, do you think I'd have a job in an MLB organization? I think you'd at least be a minor league coach. I could do if I could speak Spanish and Japanese. I'd... Who's speaking Spanish and Japanese? But no one's doing it. The English, Spanish, Japanese, and I got French already under my belt. I could do, just in case. I could help Glaber and Tanaka communicate. Amen to that. Um, all right, guys, Bryce. I know you had a concluding shout out. Go for it. Yeah, congrats, Emmett Miller, getting his first two hits in high school baseball. I will back that. A huge congrats to Emma Miller for his first two hits in high school baseball. Uh, Bryce, you and I might have to show up for one of those games, lend our sport. That's one of those things that I would be more inclined to do if I still wasn't working at the camp because that's not an event I'm trying to attend sober. Good. I was just testing you. Uh, Sam, any concluding thoughts? Both of our college football teams still suck. Um, Canes suck. Rangers are the best team in the league. They're going to win the cup this year. That's all I got. And on that note... Go Yanks. Hopefully we break out the brooms tonight. With Sam Beck and Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Fedorsky, and this is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show.
Jesus. <laughs>